What's up, everybody? It's your boy Simprovise. Welcome back to the Provise Project. Uh, on this episode, we have Joey Damon. Joey Damon is a New Zealand comedian, um, killing the game at the moment. Wait for the drop. Here it comes. Sweet. Uh, he is the. Um, he's just a hard worker. Bro. Like I think that's he's the hardest worker in the room, and that's why um, this episode was 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 quite refreshing. It was cool to kind of like ask him questions and and to uh, pick his pick his mind on. Um, uh, on what drives him uh, but other than that um, I hope you this will be a two-parter so uh, the next part will be out tomorrow uh, anyway um, thanks for the support from everybody from the Patreon if you want to jump in there that's uh, patreon.com forward slash the Provise Project but without further ado enjoy the interview and we'll see you tomorrow before we start bro like when because I was Twitch streaming and I would see I would see you hustling bro and like putting yourself out there and then you had a uh, shit talk which was right i used to uh, i still do i listen to the episodes all the time and then um and then like i just saw that and i thought you know what bro like fuck why not like i'll give it a shot so bro thank you for inspiring a dude like me to get out there and get it done no way bro oh, oh man no, that's uh that's that's flattering bro i mean as i was saying before the what you're doing here is fucking amazing. It surpassed uh, what I'm doing with the platform for sure. So, no, that means a lot, brother. <laughs> Get out of there, bro. Stop that shit, eh? <laughs> Stop that shit. We're not, we're not here playing. And we're not here. <laughs> we're not here playing uh, compliment tennis, brother. Okay. <laughs> this is just a one way street for me. Uh, nah, bro. It was cool because I was like, because I saw you with Patreon and I thought, I mean, I might check that out because I knew about Patreon, but I was yeah. like, uh, yeah, I was like, Oh fuck! I'll, I'll see if I so it's and it helped big time, bro. Yeah, it, it really it really does. Eh? It, it connects. Um, it connect. But I've got the chat open, and I know what you meant. It's fucking all over the show. Yeah. <laughs> um. But no, Patreon Patreon's unreal, eh? Because like, how have you found connecting with like all your fans through that, and even just the income? It's crazy that you can make money from just fucking talking rubbish. Eh? Hard and like probably the coolest thing about it is you know. Who's kind of really got your back? You know what I'm saying? For sure, bro. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Ab- absolutely. It's not a monetary thing because I mean, you. I mean, two dollars fifty is like, you know, for me. Yeah. Like, and like, bro, if you look at my Patreon, it's exactly the fucking same hookup as yours. Two dollars fifty, mm. five bucks, seven fifty. Because I was like, bro, if that's working for the brother, then shit. And and it has been. So that's that's fucking dope. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think for me, the the craziest thing, bro, was um. Just uh, the the people that joined my Patreon early were the ones that, because um, like I was saying to you before, I mean, I, I knew that you'd, you know, been so talk with for, for ages, like what I was doing and stuff. And um, a lot of the people that joined early in the Patreon were people that had been liking and sort of sharing and commenting fucking way before anyone else knew what the fuck I was up to. So it was just, uh, it was a crazy opportunity to just connect with all of them um, and just kind of put a face uh you know, to all these people that had been supporting you for so long. So now it's just crazy. It's, it's a crazy platform, bro. And I, uh, I can't, you, uh, I'm thankful obviously to the people that, that support me um, just in general, but it's, it's crazy being able to connect directly with the people that just really showed me love, um, you know, even more so than a lot of people that have known me my whole fucking life. So um, it's crazy for that, but I, I really, yeah, really love it, man. Yeah, bro. And, um, but the the coolest thing also is that like um, you know like it's just a very easy medium to get some help, you know. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it, it can be tough to sometimes keep up with the because um, I think when when you you know when you ask for money and stuff, it, it, especially you know as 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 New Zealanders as you know as brown people, we we kind of have that. There's that added pressure that we know the we know the value of it and we hold the value of it very high to ourselves. So it's um, you know we never want to disappoint anybody on there. Yeah. Um, so there is that little bit of pressure, but I think the crazy thing is when you then start talking about, you know, apologizing if you've missed something or, um, you know, talking about, oh, I'm sorry if this hasn't been living up to you. Uh, these are the supporters that are just like, well, fuck, you could put up nothing and would still support. Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's the, it's the fact that the support's there. But it's crazy. Yeah. Not saying, man. It's because nuts. like, um, like coming from Twitch, bro, like if you're a Twitch streamer, someone will subscribe and that's like eight bucks American, right? They take half of that shit. Just, like you only get four of that, and then but Patreon's like ninety, so I'm like, yeah, oh, fuck, like you know, let's do fuck, it. They take half. That's, they, that's that's fucking heaps. Fuck a note, and like um, is that why like um like Ninja in that left because of that shit or um no, nah, I think they just got the bag. They just were like, yo, we'll just yeah, give you true. fucking x amount of dollars if you come over, but um. Yeah, but uh, if you're a partner, you get it's a little bit like it's like seventy, but it's uh, it's still like fuck and half of your shit. Like you know, you're you're spending half of your time on here trying to trying to get a, a following, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, just give us half your half your shit. Yeah, yeah, it's like a fucking it's like a cash converters no interest loan. It fucking it, it gets you it, it gets you six months later when the interest kicks in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking damn right. Anyway, bro, let's get into this shit, brother. Sweet brother, Sweet. international, bro. You're a bit of an international dude, right? So you're brought up, uh, you're born in uh, New Zealand, but you went overseas, right? Yeah, bro. Yep. So moved overseas when I was about five or six years old um, to Malaysia, and then we were living there for about two, three years or so. And then moved back uh, when I was about nine, uh, maybe ten-ish. So it was, it was about, it, it came to about five years, I think. Yeah, so I was about five, came back around ten. Um, and yeah, bro, that, that just Malaysia and India and then uh, obviously traveling in between that. But that was kind of my uh, initial upbringing um, in, those, in those years was so, uh, overseas. So is that called mum and dad were working over there? Yeah, bro. Yeah, my dad. Uh, my my. Well, both my parents work in IT. So, my old man was. Um, he he obviously got a job over there and then moved us over. He didn't really get a chance to do a whole lot of travel when he was younger. So, um, the first opportunity he got to go overseas with his work, he was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah!" Even if it's in fucking Malaysia, none of us knew where the hell that was. Yeah. He was like, "Sweet, we're off." So. Um, that was a crazy experience, but it was, it was such a mean, you know, such a mean upbringing for for a kid to sort of experience something like that so young. And yeah. a, and as I'm learning now, it stays with you for the rest of your life, eh? So, bro, India is a trip, eh? Bro, have you been? I've been to for basketball trip. No shit. What? what when? Where did you go? Uh, uh, uh what's a Bangalore? Bangalore. Bangalore. Oh, I see. Bro, like people don't really understand how fucking gnarly India is. They think that because Indian people, you know, obviously live in New Zealand, they have this understanding of what that country is. But you, no one here has a single fucking clue unless they've been there. That it is probably the gnarliest place on earth. Bro, I'm um, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna, bro, I'm gonna tell you this fucking true story, bro. And you know, like it's a bit of I don't do stand up, G, but. Every time I tell people this story, they never fucking believe me. And I'm going to tell you, G, okay? Bro, okay. 
<laughs> I was walking down the street to go and get a SIM card, my G. And it was like, I don't know, this is in the middle of Bangalore. And I was like, okay, I got to go and get a fucking SIM card. So I walked down the street and I get, there's this dude, Brian, he's, he's, he's kind of like posted up on this uh, bin, you know, like just on a regular rubbish bin. And he's just smoking away, bro, smoking away. And then I was like, oh shit. Like, cause a lot of people just stand around there. Yeah. Fuck, like, there's a lot of just, it's 24 seven, just fucking around. Fucking hey. Really just doing fuck all. Fucking hey, <laughs> bro. There's fucking <laughs> bricks on. The, this guy's got like one foot on some bricks. I don't know what the fuck he's doing, right? <laughs> yeah, bro. He's having a smoke, bro. And I go into the fucking, I go to go and get me a SIM card. And the guy's like, yo, I need your passport. I need this. I need your fucking birth certificate. All this shit. I'm like, what the fuck for? I just want a SIM card. So That's I had to right, go right, back right. to the hotel. And then I go back and the dude's kind of like staring me out. And he's smoking yeah. away, bro. And I was like, fuck, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I go get my shit from the hotel. I come back. I swear to fucking God, Joe, this guy is posted up like fucking Spider-Man, G, on top of the rubbish bin, G, having a shit, bro. Right? <laughs> yeah. And his fucking dick is fucking dangling, G, Sounds like a little right, worm. And he, bro, and then I was walking and I saw him. I looked at the cunt and then I looked away and then I looked back the second time and, bro, he just fucking locked, locked eyes with me, G. And I was like, what the fuck? As a two girls, one cup out of his fucking butthole. Bro, he locked, locked eyes, eh? It was like one Indian dude and one fucking rubbish bin and my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and his little danger was fucking just dangling and then I was like what the fuck is this shit bro I go to get me a sim card I come back bro dude's got a cigarette in his mouth G around the same fucking rubbish bin G just <laughs> just smoking like hey still looking at me and I was like what the fuck is this bro and that's fucking India man and people India. just walk past like nothing's fucking going on India's fucking crazy, bro. I tell you, that's one of two eyes, one rubbish bin. It's the bro. Someone just, bro, this chat is fucking hilarious. Um, bro, the, and like the craziest shit. Did you see the Ferris wheels that they have over there? So yes. For anybody, anybody that doesn't know in India, the Ferris wheels, it doesn't run on a motor like every other fucking Ferris wheel in the world. How the Ferris wheels in India work is they're the same size as a standard Ferris wheel, big as fuck. Um, but it's the cunts like they like climbing up the shit and like pulling it down, it down so that it like spins around and they like climb to the top of these fucking Ferris wheels, eh, bro? And just pulling the shit down so that it turns. Bro, they just fucking and, uh, and, gnarly, bro. And bro, like, fuck, I'm pretty sure it's one a week. Like one of those guys just falls off that shit and fucking dies. Yeah. But I mean, there's hood. fucking two billion of them. They're like, nah, There's two billion though. I'm pretty sure it's half a million a year just fucking dying on Ferris. <laughs> Never mind the people sitting in, sitting in the motherfuckers. Even in it out, bro. Fucking hell. Yeah. What I didn't say is also on the Ferris wheel, when you're sitting it, you have to hold it like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's, it's fucking crazy. They're just climbing up and just spinning it around. Um, just heaps of shit, bro. I used to see my mum get into fights at the markets and stuff. Um, like people, people just come up and try to mug you. There's little kids, bro, like with with no arms, like one eye, just you know, or just you know, their whole body's fucked, and they're just coming up to you, and it, it's just it, it's it's almost you, you'd you'd be forgiven thinking some of the parts of that place are, are hell, bro. It's fucking crazy. Bro. It's insane. Um, bro, uh, so because I was the only male on staff, bro, I was like, 
the bodyguard pretty much because these are all uh, female basketball players. Oh, no shit. Bro, we go through the market, G. I, I was fucking kung fu kicking everybody's fucking hands trying to fill the girls up, G. I was like, woof, and I'll, I'll just stare them out. Like, what the fuck are you think you're doing? And then yeah, straight up. They go, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> oh, honestly, man, honestly. And, and like, I think that's that, That's why I, you know, when I, I kind of, I remember when I was sort of started going to town and stuff and there was a lot of, you know, I mean, people, and people still do, they give Indian dudes a lot of shit for being creepy and (laughs) and all that shit, which they fucking are. But what people fail to understand is like the world that they come from, it's not like the world that we know it. It's that people aren't considered humans in India, like even just amongst each other, let alone that don't don't even, you know, that's not even taken into account the caste system, you know, class, Bro, it's a fucking other world, man. And and that's why a lot of those guys come here and they actually do a really good job assimilating to Western culture. But there's still a lot of things. I mean, they assimilate to Western culture pretty fucking well for how gnarly their world is. Of course, like the one part they slip up is the part that involves getting your dick wet and shit. Like fucking even, bro, I've been in Western culture my whole life. Even sometimes I lose my fucking mind. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I'm not on like anyone, any other comedians level. Like, you know, I'm not out here like, doing crystal air shit but you know i still i still get horny sometimes and make stupid decisions like hit up my ex or my cousin when i'm at the marae so fuck who knows you know <laughs> fuck to your hotel but, old hotel uh mattress room in the back yeah. <laughs> take your pick or the brothel in the in the, in the mattress room the holiday in the marae <laughs> that's my favorite hotel <laughs> oh, shit. bro so like uh and then you came back bro and um did you get straight? Was that uh, like? Did you go straight into Scots when you came back, or did you have some time at public school? No, nah, so so we moved back to Auckland, bro, and I did year six, year six in Auckland, um, and then did intermediate, uh, did about a term and a half in Auckland uh, at Ponsonby Intermediate, and then we moved back to Wellies, and um, and then I went to Wanu Intermediate, which is in uh, Lower Hutt in Wellington. For anybody that doesn't know, and uh, and then from from there, kind of went to Scots, so. I moved around heaps right before I got to high school. Scots was the only high school I went to, but I went to about, it'd be pretty close to 12 different schools before I started high school. So it was a lot of moving around, bro. A lot of, um, you know, fucking having to get to know people in new areas. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that was kind of my life before I got to Scots and, and got to settle down. But, um, yeah, well, well, he deep through and through for sure. And, um, and, and yeah, born and raised, well, born in the hut. Yo. Um, but yeah, call myself from Wanui mm. after all of that. So, like, um, boarding at, like, a pretty prestigious school, bro. Bro, was that a bit of a culture shock coming from India and all that shit? And uh, Ponsonby, I get, but then going straight into Scots where it's quite a prestigious school? Yeah, yeah, bro. I think, um, like, it's funny. The stuff I found hard about Scots is, um, I mean, that, that was a whole... In India, I was quite lucky because, I mean, anybody that's lived overseas, you know, you'll understand expat culture. So it's just a bunch of, like, rich fucking kids. Like, we we weren't rich. We had we, we were lucky that um, my dad's work kind of set us up in a really nice, uh, you know, in a really nice house. That's because houses there by fucking $3.50. They cost, they, they cost less than a bag of confectionery snakes, like a fucking mansion there. So um, <clears throat> we, were, we were in a really nice spot. Uh, but we grew up around, but we were growing up around expats, so around people. I was always used to growing up with people with a lot of money. Um, my parents weren't necessarily rich, but obviously they they did pretty well for themselves. But um, was used to growing up around people with money, and so when I moved to Scots, that wasn't too distant from what I knew. 
But I think because uh, it, it was, you know, it was obviously New Zealand, there, there were definitely a lot of differences um, that were f- a little bit far from my understanding. And then there were a few other things that I found quite hard as well, um, just kind of assimilating to Scots. I tell, I, once I left school, I started telling people that I probably didn't settle into Scots, bro, until I was year 12, genuinely. It, it took me that long to really actually settle in and get used to it there. But by the time I did, I enjoyed it, but it was definitely it was definitely a journey, and um, and I, I would say I hated most of it. But my last couple of years were pretty good, so yeah. So, bro, like um, speaking of like that assimilation, did it help that you had someone in your that you boarded with someone that shit the bed, G? <laughs> Where the fuck do you know that story? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like uh, let's bro, be honest, how the fuck do you know that story, brother? Fuck, uh, you're Joe DJ. We got to know this shit. Holy shit. <laughs> So Does that oh help you, God. G, at all or nah? Oh, my God. But I knew, fuck, I can't remember who it, I can't, I don't know if it was Slings or someone, someone told me you were the Ngāruwa of New Zealand, bro, and fuck, oh. I don't know how you knew that, bro. Fuck. Well, fuck, That's mate. impressive, man. That's that's genuinely impressive. Now, when I, so when I was year nine, I had to, so how boarding in Scots worked was um, you pretty much have a, you you have a bunk mate uh, per term, so it changes each term. Um and uh, for one whole term, bro, I had a breather that fucking just loved shitting his undies. Um, no toilet paper, nothing. He thought he was he was in COVID nineteen lockdown um, about ten years before that shit came anywhere near, you know. So just absolutely shitting his pants, no toilet paper, and just would leave it there, bro. And for a whole term, I had to come back from you know whatever the fuck I was up to, hanging out at a Courtney Place movies or some shit, or I don't know, sucking on chicks' titties, but um, <laughs> still just. I had to come back from doing that shit, bro. And my flat, my roommate just absolutely run amok on his bed. Fuck. Truth, that's a one hundred percent a true story. And I had to put up with that shit for a whole fucking term. Look at you, bro. I, yeah, I almost wanted to give him a hiding, bro, but I didn't want it to turn into diarrhea. It was just solid, <laughs> as far as I know. But um, bro, you got to be yeah. some. You got to be some fucking brave cunt, eh? To just just let it happen. You know what I mean? Oh man! Well, I think like back back then, you know, I, I was a big, I was a big time pussy. So <laughs> I just, um, I just fucking let him, let him have it. And like the yarns around school was everybody was obviously saying that Joey D's shitting his bed because, <laughs> this, bro, because he was proper school shooter vibes. Like honestly, uh, we he was, we we were all scared he was going to pull up and fucking call himself Little Uzi Vert with <laughs> two and you know two in each hand and just fucking go hard on the whole school. Like, he was that kind of vibe, which is why no one actually fucked with him that he shat the bed. So, obviously, guess who's getting the stick? The cousin that fucking grew up in India. He shat himself. Yeah, of course. Um, and so, yeah, bro, that, that, was the, that was the whole yarn. So, it actually went around school that I was shitting myself um, because, yeah, everyone was scared that fucking this dude was going to rock up with a, you know, AK-47 and go machine gun Kelly. Yeah, f- well, fuck, bro. If you're, if you're okay with shitting your pants and not doing shit about it. Oh, you do not give a... You don't give a fuck, eh? Bro, you're going to be all right with just fucking that kind of shit, you know? Brotherhood, you do not... Yeah, if if you're wanting to shit your pants and leave it in there, sleep, and your roommate's also in there, you don't... If you don't give a fuck about your own life that much, you you sure as fuck don't give a fuck about mine. But but did he lock eyes with you, Joe? That's the question I want to know. Honestly, I was... I'm pretty sure there was one time he squatted on our rubbish bin and just fucking... Uh, I was like, where did you get that cigarette from? We're 13. But... No, it, is, it was what it was. But the funniest thing was, I, I mentioned Courtney Place um, movies. 
for anybody that remembers Courtney Place back in the day at Reading Cinemas, there was that Warhammer fucking place. Bro, yeah. he used to always hang out there. So, of course. Um, he used to do, yeah, he used to do Warhammer shit. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, Readings. That shit is um, fucking long gone. But yeah, he smelled like shit, man. And that was hell for a whole team. So, um, <laughs> bro, how many Weepix you reckon? How many Weepix does Stephen Adams have in the, in the mornings, G? Fuck, that's quite impressive that you also know that that cunt used to eat fucking that many bro honestly that can't you see anything um because so stevie didn't he didn't board but because he was staying at school so late studying after school and because he was coming straight from trainings with kenny mack in the mornings that's why he would eat dinner with us in the boarding house and have breakfast with us in the mornings um and bro legit fuck i wouldn't be surprised if it was like 12 seriously like the cunt used to eat that much um but what people don't know about steve is that dude is one of the hardest workers i've ever seen in my life and i think it was insane back then but i look back at it now and i'm like how did a 16 i first met steve when he was 15 turning 16 how does a 15 16 year old have that much drive um and bro at that age he wasn't even that mean at basketball like he wasn't even that mean so to have that much drive purely just because you're trying to, you know, build discipline within yourself. Like the NBA wasn't anything anyone was talking about for him at that point, but he was going that ham at that age, that early. So, but that's, that's one thing I always try to bring up if anyone ever asks me about Steve is like that dude fucking worked for every single thing he, he's got a. <coughs> it kind of fucks you off when people go, like I see in like basketball fucking um, forums and shit when they go, ah, oh, fuck, he's just big. That's all. Like, oh, he's right, skilled yeah. as fuck too, yo. Man, he fuck like and and it's it's crazy it's crazy. I think you know I don't even just want to say Scots boys. I think everybody that grew up in Wellies around that time, they um they know how much work that dude put in a eh? because it was just it was there for everybody to see because people didn't really even start talking about how good he was potentially going to be until um until it became news that Pitt had offered him a scholarship. Yeah, because before then, bro, we just thought he was going to be like you know not saying like tall blacks is just like an like a whatever thing. But before then we just thought like, Oh man, he's going to like play for the tall blacks sometime and, you know, probably play for like the breakers or some shit. Like we thought that's what he was going to do. Yeah. But then, um, the NBA stuff didn't start coming in until, uh, cause I'm pretty sure Jamie Dixon came to our school. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. He was, he yeah, was he did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was when Jamie Dixon came to our school and all the words started going around that Steve got this like scholarship to college, which was unheard of at that time. Uh, we were all like, fuck, is this dude like unreal? And then and then that was when it blew up, bro. And then he was probably middle of year 12, maybe coming near the end of year 12. That was when all that started to happen. And then it wasn't until then that we all realized how mean he actually was. Um, I, was at a, uh, I was at a camp, bro, for Basketball New Zealand, eh? And um, uh, this, this dude, Doug, Doug Courtney, he's a coach. He goes, I was just there helping out. I wasn't a coaching staffer. I, was, I wasn't like selecting a team. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, yeah, and then uh, Doug goes, oh, I've got this dude. It was in uh, Hamilton, and Doug goes, I've got this dude in Rotorua, and I'll bring him through, and uh, we'll see how he goes. And he brought him through, and he fucking killed everyone, G. True. Yeah. What, what year was that, bro? Bro, this <coughs> would have been, this was under 15s, bro, so he would have been like maybe 14. True, so like yeah. 2010, maybe. And 11, then, oh, 2009, maybe, yeah. Bro, and then no, they that. didn't choose him. Because he didn't, well, the first thing, well, Doug just bought him. He didn't, like, you have to pay for those camps. And Doug was just like, yo, just come and play. And then Doug yeah. got in trouble. 
And then, um, bro, legit, it was the funniest shit, bro, because he, he, then Kenny Mac said, yo, I'll fucking pay for him. Here you go. Fucking here's the money. And then, no shit. bro, Kenny Mac, and then he did the rest of the buzz. He did the, yeah. the rest of the three days. And I was like, fuck, that's pretty shit out. You make the bro play. He's fucking killing everybody. And Straight when up. I say everybody, I mean fucking everybody. I mean, yeah, like yeah. Isaac Futu. I mean, all of these cats. No shit. Fuck all those boys. Fucking Ty, Ty Webster. All those dudes. Like everyone from the shore. Bro, all those all those dudes from the shore. Yeah, and then, um, And then uh, end of the camp happened because Kenny Mac was like, bro, this guy is good enough. I'll pay for it. And then yeah. um, they didn't select him. No shit. And then I go, why? And I go, bro, that dude was killing everybody. And and this is why Kenny Mac doesn't give a fuck about them. And but anyway, the reason was is because he just couldn't. They they reckon they didn't even give him a shot, bro, because they reckon yeah. he couldn't he couldn't fucking pay for the trip because they were going to China. And I was and like, fuck, that's crazy. And that's why he's not going to play for. Well, that's what I understand why he's not going. That's play what for I was going to say. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Is that is that where all that started? Has you know has bro? And I, I don't fucking blame him. Like if you know if they're not going to back you when you're nothing, like fucking, it's easy to hop on the on the ship when everyone's on there. Hard. Like don't then. That's pretty. That's pretty cheeky from them that they 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 tackle the the national pride side of things and try make it out like he's a bad guy for not wanting it to do. Then that's pretty cheeky. I know. So that's the yeah. Well, I mean, hey, I'm the fucking Nardwaji, you know. But you really, you really, you really, you really are. You really are. But nah, bro, I got so much. I got so much love for that dude. I've I've only seen him probably two or three times since he made the NBA. I'm not gonna make it out like we're best mates or anything. But um, I mean, I was he was in the boarding house, and I was lucky to see his, you know, see his rise to at least till before he left to college. Um, and he he was just always like. Exactly what you guys see. Fuck, he was always like that. He was always just fucking around. But I'll tell you the story. So our headmaster at Scots is a fucking crazy cunt, and um, he used to scare the shit out of everyone. <laughs> and Stephen, bro, he's he. So the the headmaster's like walking along, like we're just walking along the hallway, and then Steve just does the thing where you like just snap out in front of someone's nuts, and the face to do go huh, like that, <laughs> and, Steve, and Steve goes, ah, "I got you, cunt." <laughs> Straight up, bro. And like he just had everybody in the palm of his hand, bro. And this was before, you know, this was before the news fucking people were at our school every second day. This was before Jamie Dixon had come to Scots, bro. He was exactly like that, um, like before all of that. So yeah. now that dude's the fucking man. Like I coached uh I coach his niece too, man. She's she's dope too. True. Is is that the is that the one that went to the Manx? Yeah, yeah, bro, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah none of the, my yeah, my my brother's at Meg, so oh yeah. Um, I think I watched the game that she might have played last year or something. Um, so now I know the one. I know the yeah. one. Anyway, brother, oh, fuck, bro, we could talk about this shit all day. Shit. Yeah, yeah. When's the, when's the first time you f- you figured out that you were funny, bro? Um, probably, bro. Uh, I think where it started initially was so m- my old man's like a real shy dude, um, and quite like a. I mean, fuck you. He's a lovely, lovely dude, like the nicest guy, you know, completely harmless. Um, but he's like a very shy, um, very kind of anxious, anxious dude. So when uh, when we'd go to the marae for, you know, for tangis or just sort of get-togethers, he, he wasn't going to be the one to get up to speak. And so um, from, uh, from from kind of a young age, you know, like early early sort of teens, I was the one getting up and, and talking in front of everybody. So I've always been... <clears throat> especially when you're growing up in an environment where you're you're by yourself quite a lot 
obviously uh, overseas expat life is exactly that. Um, you're used to just finding out like what you enjoy doing and, you know, keeping to yourself. So I knew what I enjoyed <coughs> and what I found funny. And then uh, where I built the confidence to sort of get that out. <coughs> Sorry, Russ. No just got off tour, so my voice is all fucked up. But, um, but yeah, so I, I always sort of found, uh, I found my, my own voice like with myself, just, you know, obviously growing up overseas and being by myself quite a lot. But where I got the confidence to put it out there was just, yeah, just speaking, you know, tonguies and, and family get-togethers and just being on the marae, bro, and just talking shit um, in front of everybody. Um, just kind of on behalf of my family, and that that was where it started to build up, at least in a in a young me, and then uh, obviously that that just continued to build up until um, you know eventually I gave it a go uh, seriously. So that was where it started, bro. So in terms of giving it a go seriously, bro, what what, what was that like for you, bro? Or like what was the journey? What was the story around you getting fucking straight into it? Yeah, yeah. So at the time I was working in property development, bro, and. Um, my whole thing into property development was, pure, was purely because of money. And how it came around was uh, I, I used to always – so my big thing is walking. Like I've always just walked around um, because that's what me and my old lady used to do while my dad was at work when we were overseas. We'd just walk around places for hours, like all day, bro. We'd leave really? – my old man would leave to work at 7 in the morning when we were living in Malaysia and get back at like 7 at night. And my old, me and my old lady would walk around from 7 till 7 till my dad got back. So walking's always been like a big part of uh, of my life, even in that sense. And, and I've just always just kept it kept it up from um, from there, just because I enjoy it. It's, it's always a good way for me to clear my head. So when I was in high school, I used to go on a lot of just random walks around. Scots is surrounded by a lot of very well-off areas, so the Sea and Miramar in particular. And so I used to walk around there, and I walked up to this one dude who was outside this real flash house, and I just straight out asked him, I was like. Yo, bro, like, what do you do for work? Your house is like mean ass. Mm. And he told me he was a property developer. And so I was like, fuck, true. And then just started researching that. And then that kind of stayed in my head. And then when I, I wasn't too sure what I was doing at school, I I left school, did finance and accounting, um, and then transferred that into a property development degree. And then just started working towards that and then working in the industry. And then I fucking hated it, bro. Hated the industry. Hated every kind I ever came across in the industry. Um, yeah, yeah. and then I was at a bit of a crossroads, uh, this was like July, 2017 was at a bit of a cross or June, 2017. This was like, I was at a bit of a crossroads, hated my career and every prospect in it. Like the, the money was obviously it's good if you become successful in it, but I I just knew even if I was to be the richest cunt in this fucking thing, I'd, I'd hate my fucking life because of the people I have to deal with. So, um, so yeah, yeah, bro. Uh, just decided I was going to pack it in, but uh, I made a little list of things that I would rather go into and stand-up comedy was, was one of them. And, um, and yeah, bro, just based on that, I, I gave, there was a bunch of things that I sort of made roads to, to starting, but stand-up comedy was the first one and actually the easiest to get started on. So I just hit up an open mic and, um, and yeah, bro, I just started from there. That was <coughs> fucking, then that's all like, uh, what, yeah, what open mic did you go to? To the classic, or did you do another one? Yeah, bro. So just the just the Monday night uh, raw at the at the classic. Um, so uh, yeah, just did. Uh, I've told I've told this a bit on like other podcasts, but yeah, no one here would have seen any of those. Um, I my initial my initial time was you know supposed to be a certain week, and I actually just pretended I was sick because I was. <coughs> 
Sorry, bro. I actually just pretended I was sick because I was too nervous. And uh, and the guy, Scotty, who owns the club was like, um, oh, you know what? All good. I hope you're feeling better. I'll just check you on the next week. I was hoping he'd say, oh, get fucked. Like, don't come. Yeah. <laughs> but he chucked me on the next week. Then I turned up to that one, bro. And, um, and yeah, it was, you know, from the start, the yeah, it, it was, uh, I knew it was, that, that was the one for me. So, um, just kind of from day one went all in, bro, and haven't looked back. So in terms of like, because I know that you, like now you don't really write shit anymore, right? It's just straight off the top. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I am I am trying to move into, especially since, so I've got, um, yeah, I've got, you know, after sort of this tour and uh, I've been lucky to be in talks with, um, you know, a, a lot of big promoters for, for lack of a better word, to work around a, a big show for next year. So I am back into traditionally writing for, you know, for that upcoming show, which will be out next year. Um, but yeah, in regards to up until this point, bro, yeah, I wasn't writing shit out. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, because the, the crowd work uh, tour was just you sitting in front of people and just pretty much roasting people. Yeah, bro, just talk, just talking to people for about an hour, hour and a half um, each show, just, yeah, just hopping up, talking shit. Um, it's uh, yeah, and that that was kind of just what that whole tour was was to for an opportunity to kind of connect um with the audience. Um, I think there were two reasons why I did the crowd work tour as the first one. My first sort of foray out um, was one because in regards to content, <clears throat> you can't really put your your bits and stuff on online because once you put them out there, you can't use them again. Yeah. Um, you know, an audience, if an audience sees your stuff online and see you do it live, um, they'll love it, but they'll kind of struggle to come back again because they'll be like, oh, is he just going to do shit I've already seen? Yeah. So um, the crowd work tour, the whole reason was to get as much content as possible, but still be able to use those because it's nothing that I, um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's nothing that I would have to, I would try use again because it was just all off the cuff. Yeah. And then the second one was just a chance, yeah, to, connect with my audience both <clears throat> before, during, and, and after the show. So um, it was awesome, obviously, do, doing it during the show and just being able to sort of have a laugh and um, fuck around with everybody. And and then all the shows was awesome. Like, I, I stuck around after every show and just caught up with everybody that came through. And it was an awesome, awesome opportunity, bro, just to see everyone who's been supporting me and, you know, coming out to show love. And um, it, it was an amazing experience, man. It, it was definitely – it was life-changing, Um for sure. And uh, I think I was super proud of like, um, you know, kind of the audience I built because it was just so many people that uh, just really came out of their way. Like there were people that came to um, Wellies that had driven from Hastings, people that came to Hamilton that have driven from like Whangarei, you know, Rotors. And I, I think, you know, for people in those areas, that may not seem like far a drive, but for me, like I'm barely driving to town for fucking, you know, to go like meat counts for an hour. Like I, I, for someone to drive all that way just to come see me, it was it was really really eye opening for me, and it was um, yeah, it was cra- it was crazy. Bro, was speaking insane. of fucking like eye opening shit, <coughs> bro, like it wasn't that far, it wasn't that long ago, bro, where you would post fucking um, shit on your Instagram, and you were talking to like maybe three people, and then to yeah, bro. bro, not even like um, maybe six, not even six months, probably si- yeah, six maybe- months ago of that. Probably, probably six months ago, yeah. Fuck, that must be quite... Not intimidating. Oh, I suppose it is intimidating, but just like, holy fuck, where did 
you know, how the fuck did this happen? Have I found the, the secret source? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, bro. Yeah. It's fucking real crazy. Yeah, bro. And, and you being someone that's been on since early days, bro, like, it's it's funny always talking to people like yourself because you saw, you saw the change because it went from, uh, uh, went, hey, bro, like, it went from, fuck, is this guy ever going to, like, figure this shit out to, holy fuck, like, he, it he came it out. out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, what was um, the what was the one thing that, like if you had to I don't know it's not one thing it can't be fucking one thing. No, I know you mean, bro. You yeah. know what I mean. But what was that one? What was that one thing where you went? Okay, I'll just put this out, and then all of a sudden it was like fuck. Like okay, because you had was it? I don't know. Well, what what do you reckon it was? Yeah. So I mean, <clears throat> I uh, I mean, there's uh, like you know everyone knows it's. It's it's always like a slow build up in different areas, but I would say the one thing for sure, bro, that I saw that changed it was my first um, Auntie Cinder like FaceTime video. Yeah, and uh, I think what that showed everybody was like my broad range, how my humor can translate on sort of a broad range, and how it can translate, um, and yeah, and how it can translate on in sort of different demographics, different markets, I guess. Um, because bro, when I was getting shared, like I saw MPs sharing it, you know, I saw fucking old old lady, old white ladies sharing it. You know, obviously all the young brown community have been supporting me since early days. Just all people from all walks of life, bro, sharing it. And I think that was the first that was people's first glimpse that my humor can can translate on a lot of different levels that um, you know, maybe a lot of others uh and my you know, in the stand-up community, uh, haven't really been able to achieve just yet. And um, I mean, there's a lot of things before that, like bro, trick that Cuzzy tricks for anybody that doesn't know. He was the first guy to really put me out there. I consider that a massive as milestone. I still talk about about it to this day. I uh, have so much love for my brother because he he was the first person I would say honestly to to really put me on. Um, so I would say tricks. I mean, this is Auckland. Um, you know, a lot of those were big, were, were big moments for me, but I think in, you know, in, in recent times where it kind of took a, has taken a life of its own was that, that final little, um, sort of kick in the, kick in the nuts was the Auntie Cinder videos and that kind of sent it into overdrive. Because like, here's another thing I wanted to ask you bro, about, um, this is Auckland bro. What was the inspiration about fuck bro? Cause, uh, when you first came out and that came out, I was like, where can I find this shit? And then I found the the pilot episode, but like, what was the inspiration behind like getting that done? Yeah. So uh, where it came from was I watched um, a series called somewhere in London by the guy that did, I mean, everyone knew, um, what was his name? Oh, Chris Lilly. Was, nah, no, oh, no, nah, it wasn't. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, obviously Chris Lilly is the, bit, the, yeah. is the, the big inspiration, but the guy that did the skinny pop pop, Oh, uh, uh, Michael Michael Fafs or some shit like that, right? Michael, yeah, it was like Michael Dapper. Dapper, that's Michael Dapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did his character. Um, I can't remember, what, like Shaq? Big Shaq, yeah, Big yeah. Shaq, yeah. So he did that, bro, and he did a series called Somewhere in London, and it was it was actually three guys. It was Big Shaq. It was this um like fucking like car park security guard, and then it was an Uber driver. So, um. So that was that was where I got the idea for the format, and then I just wanted to format it in a similar way, um, but with obviously characters that people would know. So um, the the bounce the bouncer was a character that I'd always wanted to do, and I'd actually uh, I'd pitched it in sort of different areas um, when I was writing for John and Ben. I pitched um, I pitched it then because it was just something that like for for me 
we all know about the bounces and we laugh about it so much, but it had never been anything that I'd kind of seen uh, done before and, you know, in any sort of light, let alone a comedian one, so a, a comedic one. So I went for the island of bouncer thing and that obviously became island. Um, all my mates, obviously from university, they were all kinds of, they were all kind of, you know, white, r- vanilla university dudes with not a lot of personality and their personality is fucking just drinking culture. That was kind of the Dunners breather inspiration for the second character, which is Damien. And then the third one was just supposed to be like this, like out the gate, Westy, hoary as dude, um, who's just a, a, an amalgamation of like everything funny about people from like out West with like even a little bit more exaggeration in it. So I just followed the format from somewhere in London and then, yeah, just kind of put in characters that had a lot of things that I uh, had experienced and could relate to in different ways. And, uh, and that became This Is Auckland, bro. And that was, uh, that was, yeah, that was the inspiration behind so it. So was it funded, like, did you just do that? Or was it like, uh, yeah, where did, where did the funding come from? Was just you and someone shooting it or not? Nah? Bro, so, so this is another one. Um, uh, so this guy, Haimon Onata. So he, he's a, a, a very like, well-respected, well-regarded uh, videographer. And pretty much what I what happened was I'd, I'd written the whole script for, for This Is Auckland. So I'd written a whole pilot script, but I'd actually written like basically a whole series. Yeah. So I'd written, I'd written about four episodes with through lines and, you know, just heaps and heaps of jokes and shit from like, yeah. And the other episodes were funny as fuck as well. Um, but obviously, yeah, I just went around the pilot episode and I just started hitting, because I'd never been in TV before, apart from like my experience with John and Ben, but I hadn't been too heavy on the production side. So I didn't know like how TV shows got made really. Yeah. So all I did was I wrote the script and then just started taking it to, you know, videographers um, and, uh, and just started pitching it to them. And I was like, I don't really know how the fuck to get this made or anything, but check out my script. If you like it, would you just like shoot it with me? And so, um, and so we just did it, bro. And, and yeah. Mona, yeah, Mona like was like, <laughs> fuck, I love, I love the script so much, bro. It's so funny. I'll just shoot it. And he's a dude, bro, that, fuck, he makes a lot of very good money, does a lot of very good work. He, he's he, he's really well-known in a lot of the videographer circles because of the work that he does. Um, and, bro, he just took a shot on me and was like, man, I would love to just shoot this. Let's just go do it. So we did it with no funding. All the locations, bro, were either on the street or the flat that we filmed the young sexy stuff in. That garage that we're in, I, I was actually sleeping in that garage on that couch, oh. on the couch that's in there in the time. So the couch that I'm sitting on, when I say, um, yeah. you know, the, the when I call. cry, the milfs, the yeah. milfs still get wet. Right? I was sleeping on that couch um, at that time. Yeah. So um, we did it with no funding, bro. He just he, he just uh, hopped on. He, he just hopped on and, and fully just bought into how funny the idea was. And um, I think when we were making it and editing it, bro, we, we just, we knew it was crack up because no matter how many times we watched it, we were just cracking up. Um, and I think, yeah, the day I put out the very first clip, bro, from Iwin, it got like 1.5 thousand likes. And to me, you know, I'd never had any traction on social media before that outside of um, kind of doing a few things a few years prior. Um, but as me, myself, putting something out there, for everybody to see that was the first time I put something out and to me that was that went viral it was like 1.5 thousand likes in one you know kind of one night and that was insane to me and uh and it was it was almost unbelievable and it was the first sort of validation that I had that my comedy could actually 
translate beyond just you know the people that I know or the people that see me so uh, yeah it, it was it was crazy bro and that purely came from just this one dude just taking a shot and just being like fuck it let's just go film it yeah um so and Arthur, bro is they do yeah I, I owe so much to that guy and I, I told him we were struggling to get funding we, we weren't making any roads or anything and we, I was taking meetings and stuff but no one was really taking the idea seriously I showed them like the numbers that it was doing on social media and, and just no one people still didn't understand the concept and just couldn't see why it was funny and they, they just thought that you know it was all fugazi that it was all fake because they they just couldn't they didn't know any the people that make decisions they don't know the world like me and you know it yeah. you know they're fucking hanging out in remmers and herm yeah. and shit so which, which brings to me them, to my next question brother Sorry, bro. I fucking carved on there. No, that's all right. Because you fucking you're taking over the show, bro. And I've I've had enough. Enough, okay. No. My bad. <laughs> You've had My enough, Sean. No, no, no. But I mean, like, sorry, brother. What is the word like? Because I'm gonna chime in on that. Authentic content, bro. Like that is what you kind of. That's what we're going on, right? And why do you think that people that are in these positions don't even fucking know about that authentic shit? Right, it's, it's because the the people the people. So this this is a this is what I talk about all the time, and it, it's it's a testament to a wider problem that I talk about openly in New Zealand. Is that um, I I mean we it's been opened up with the you know Black Lives Matter and stuff that we have a big race issue in New Zealand. But where I always bring it back to is we don't have a it isn't just a race. We we have a massive massive class issue in New Zealand. So there's a massive massive gap in between people with money and people without money. Bro, the, some, you know, fuck, we have rich as fuck people in New Zealand um, and there's suburbs and suburbs of them. You know, there's there's thousands of them, rich as fuck. But then we have even more people that, bro, there's, there's people uh, in parts of the, the country that are getting third world diseases. Like that's that's how poor the poorest in our country go. So the, the gap between the, the classes is humongous. And so that's why when you get um, people that are making decisions um, on, you know, on behalf of networks, people that are making decisions for um, for stuff that's being created for the for for you know for 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 an audience. Obviously, they're in a position of of power, and they are obviously in that position because they're in a very different class of society to the rest of us. And that's why when you take an idea like that, or we you take an idea that the average everyday New Zealander would would understand and you take it to them and they just can't fucking understand any part of it because it's so different from the world they know because there's there really is two different worlds in New Zealand that each side experience and me being um me being you know me being from a position of privilege in comparison to the the lower class and me being able to go to Scots and private school but me being from Wanui um and me you know experiencing you know uh, poverty even in India like I've been very very lucky to have an understanding of like the differences in class and class that is a reality in New Zealand and so that that's what I bring up down to bro is there's just people in New Zealand that live such a fucking different world to what we understand so that's when I make a joke about certain things they're like oh, oh that's racist or oh, oh no nah, like that's that's made up it's like no, you fucking idiot. Like, it's not. Yeah. That's my fucking uncle. <laughs> he talks exactly like that because it's just no, it's just, a, it's just a world that they just cannot even comprehend, let alone have ever experienced. Bro, because I, I work in a very, uh, you know, like, I work with people that are in that bubble, right? And whenever, yeah. bro, here's my trick that I do all the time. <laughs> They'll go, 
They'll go, oh, you know, I've just, you know, we're, we're broke this week. I just got a new pony or some shit like that, right? And then I'll just sit there and I'll look at them and I'll go, fast, someone got stabbed oh. at the dairy like yesterday. Right, straight up. Straight up, man. And then I'll just stare yeah. at them and look like, yeah, yeah, someone got stabbed at the dairy down the road. And I'll just Honest, stare. Honestly, honest, honestly, bro, it's fucking, you know, like I see um, a, a, another one that came up quite recently was, um, this was honestly today, like some, you know, a, a lady tried to sort of start an argument with me on online about. Um, so I and Matilda, for anybody that doesn't know, you know, they're from the Bachelor, and they were getting a lot of shit for having a guy who was spouting conspiracy theories and shit on his on his platform, and um, on on their podcast. Sorry, and um, all the comments were like, "Why the fuck would you let this dude come on? It's dangerous if you let somebody speak out. Um, you know, spouting stuff like that. That that's dangerous." And I was, I was just looking at all these comments and I was fucking laughing, bro, because I was like, you know, because they, they were all commenting on, you know, influencer culture is so toxic and, um, you, know, pe- you know, people hold you guys to a certain, um, to a certain standard and you, you, might, you have to meet that as influencers. And I was looking at that and I was like, fucking even none of you live in the real world. Like you, you guys think that because these people have hundreds, and, and this is me talking as Arda Matilda, my very good friends. Um, and but I know that they'll they'll agree with where I'm coming from on this. Mm. Is that you know the people in that part of the world they hold these influences to this such a high fucking esteem just because they have uh, all these followers that their all their problems are you guys need to say this with your platform you guys need to use that you guys need to act a certain way um, but they don't realise that the other half of New Zealand that actually have to live through the world and live through all these problems they don't give a fuck about like what what people are saying. Um, you know, on, on those kinds of things, they're actually having to face face the problems um, and actually having to deal. Like then, you, you know what I mean? Like they're, yeah. they're, there's just a massive as misunderstanding of um, what's actually important. And uh, on one side, people are feigning responsibility of any actions onto you know people that are, are visible, and on the other side, people are just trying to get by each day. Um, but one side is speak one got one side is speaking for the other as if that side is the side that needs to be taken care of. Whereas they're all like, no, we're not even we don't even give a fuck about what all you guys are arguing about. We're worried about how our kids are going to eat. We're worried about um, you know if we're going to have power fucking the rest of this week. And so it's it's just a it's a massive. There's just a complete misunderstanding from one side of how the other side actually lives. And that's why again I just bring it back to something as simple as <laughs> you take a character like. Like a, a bouncer to to people, um, and they just don't see how it's how it's real in any way because yeah, for them like none of that side of the world is any part that they've ever experienced. Even though fucking they're on Ponsonby Road and that's on K Road, it's like it's literally around the corner. Yeah, and I think probably the most frustrating thing would be uh, probably around that. Um, like I don't want to be fucking a bad dude about this, but no matter how hard you work. You know, there must be that fucking like, man, fuck this, you know, like no matter yeah. how hard you work and you're pulling your shit out there and you're getting that thing, there's always that gatekeeper and that gatekeeper yeah. is always fucking Dr. Chris fucking Warner, you know, yeah. that cunt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, like, like that rich motherfucker that just don't give a fuck about old Dr. Opata, you know, yeah, bro. he's yeah. just all like, yeah. nah, actually this is my, and he's the gatekeeper, but that yeah. gatekeeper needs to get the fuck out because yeah, bro. New yep. things are happening and social media is fucking blowing the fuck up. And that's why yeah, right. it's really cool to see that even though that shit happens, you know, with, with, with fucking talented cunts like you, 
you just kind of kept kept fucking driving and I think like that's something for me to go oh okay like fuck yo I just gotta keep going and see where this takes me you know what I mean means a lot bro mm. yeah yeah no I think and, and that's why um, you know even, even in like a lot of the meetings I've been taking and you know the position that I'm kind of in um, the thing that I keep relating to people is that uh, you know how what I talk about and how I talk this isn't going to change as I sort of grow and if anything I'm actually going to get more and more open about it because all this shit people in this position none of you guys fucking understand so of course you're not going to talk about it um and so that's why, yeah, I try to get vocal, and that's why I fucking talk so long. So I'm sorry about that, bro. Nah, but don't yeah. be fucking sorry about that, think, bro. The um, people want to hear that shit. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, it was funny, bro. I was talking to one of my good mates, um, Beyondi, who, for anybody that may know Beyondi Seal, he's uh, he's on Instagram. He's he was he, he's definitely making waves as an Instagram comedian. He had a he had a pretty good following, and then he's just uh, started it again. Um, but Beyondi was saying, like, bro, I, I don't. I don't really have it. There's no market for me here. And this is a dude who had, you know, close to 10,000 Instagram followers. He, he's got a mass, massive support in the Polynesian community for sure. And the industry stuff ha- has, you know, had convinced them because of the people that make decisions that he just has no chance of making it here. And what I was saying to him was like, bro, how the fuck are, like, look at Laughing Samoans. They're still touring and they've been touring for years and years. They've been selling out all these venues. And um, you never hear a shit about them on mainstream media. Exactly. But you know who you hear you know who you hear it from is from the communities because they're selling out theaters all over the country. And that's all that matters. And social media <laughs> this day and age proof is that you don't need that validation from mainstream media anymore. You never needed it, but you really don't need it now. You can just go straight to your audience and you can make make a career from there. And it like I'm I'm a perfect example, bro. I just became the youngest person to sell out Sky City, and I did it twice. And I've I haven't been on TV for longer than a fucking minute, and I haven't done shit anywhere else. So, um, and and as you saw, bro, like I started out, no one was fucking listening to what I was doing. I'm and I, to this day, I'm still a normal as dude. I don't really, you know, see. There, there's no real part of me that's like ex- extraordinary. It's all stuff that can be copied and emulated, and I want people to copy and emulate it. And um, and that was just done, just just me going direct to the looking directly for the people that you know may or may not like that may like anything I'm doing. Because I just think, capitalizing off that, yeah. bro. Do, do you think like it's a more of a societal thing in terms of the selling? Because I mean, like, yeah, TV. I get it. You get a you get a fucking appearance fee, and you get some money here and there. But is it like nowadays, man? Like nobody's fucking with TV. Let's be honest, like. Yeah. Only is it's like Nan and Uncle that fucking, you know, like watch it a little bit. It's more online content, correct? Yeah, bro. Absolutely. And it's it's not that valid it's not the validation point. The reason it's it's still validation in the industry isn't the reason TV thinks it is. So TV thinks you need television for exposure. They think you need it to grow your brand. Um, which it just isn't the case anymore. Like I, you know, I get offers on television they're like you know it'd be good exposure for you and i'm like i don't really need that shit i didn't need that shit before i didn't you know before when i didn't have followers yeah um because the exposure that i'm i'll be getting is i'm just exposing myself to the people that i know already want to see what i'm talking about um but for me like i I still i I still am, am definitely chasing opportunities in tv but it's 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 completely organic to me and the only reason I'm doing so is because there's obviously still resources at TV that um, 
uh, are beyond, you know, what I'd be able to do just by myself. But in regards to any validation for my brand, for exposure, the, all the legs that TV still stands on, like those aren't those aren't real anymore. No one needs that shit um, for for the reasons they think. So um, it's it's a massive, massive change, and it's going to be interesting in New Zealand because we're the last ones to to really realise it. But when we do, we're going to see a lot of very, very talented people coming through and taking advantage of taking like like yourself. Like you've you've already been building up before the big the big changes even come, mm. and when it does. Fuck you and me will be killing it, bro. Everyone we know that's on social will be killing it, and uh, I just can't wait for it, man. My biggest thing was like, I mean, bro, the reason why I was like, you know, like I saw you doing your shit, and I was like, fuck, bro, that's inspiring. I'm going to give it a crack. But like, it's, it's really about like me kind of like, because, bro, all I used to do was fucking jam video games and talk yeah. spicy about some shit, right? <laughs> and then like, I was like, there's no fucking, like, I, there's a ceiling for that shit. But in yeah. terms of like hosting and being able to verbalize and, and, and communicate and, and, and talk to people, there's a, there's like, there's no ceiling. You can keep going and going and going. Uh, uh, it's, it's like, yeah. Fucking hell. But, um, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a weird yeah. thing. eh? It, it is, bro. And I think like you and me have found the value in what we do is really the only value that we hold in doing any of this is like, we get to do what the fuck we want and we get to do it how we want with the people that, want us to do it so that's all the validation i need to do what i do that's all the validation you need and for me looking for all the other opportunities is just me trying to expand and you know build uh, an even stronger foundation but in regards to what i'm doing in the core of what i'm doing i'm fucking more than happy just to stay where i am because i know at the at the end of the day if there's nothing else the things that i have to fall back on and rely on other things that I just like doing anyway. So it doesn't really matter what else comes or doesn't come. Yeah. Cause it's almost like yeah. it's, it's building equity, right? Like I'm, Bully, I'm, I'm building, I'm building it up. So I'm like, bro, cause when I first started, I, I put this idea to like a, another channel, like not, not like a Twitch channel, but they, they run gaming stuff. And they were yeah. like, eh, nah, like, sorry. And then I got John Campbell on and shit done changed. They were like, fuck yeah. Hey, fuck bro. You're still keen. I was like, <laughs> No, nah, actually, fuck, I'm yeah. not cuss. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, good. Yeah, soak my fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and it's really funny because, like, I just, like, right now, I just don't need it. Like, I'm like, cool. Yeah. I don't have anyone censoring me. I could talk yeah. about pussies and fucking all types of shit, you know? Well, the uh, shit uh, I like yeah. to talk about. You know what I mean? Me too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, bro, like, so being a comic, bro, is, is it is it really like, are you out to be the best comic in New Zealand, bro? Or is this like a stepping stone for you to just <coughs> be able to create more shit, you know? It's 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 definitely both, bro. So I think with, uh, I mean, I absolutely, it, it absolutely is a stepping stone for me to create bigger things. Um, I've always been pretty open with the fact that writing, directing is is my sort of my long term goal. But um, you know how I've kind of mapped out my my plan, and you know even what's transpiring now is always something that I, I visualised and um, and actually planned out early early days. Um, and so on the way to you know that that end goal of what I'm hoping to do is you know obviously keep building in other areas. Um, being yeah becoming the biggest to come out of new zealand is exactly that and the way i measure it isn't just in like ticket sales and you know numbers but it's having the cultural touch points in different areas and it's in ways that to me the only other person that's done it to the level that i want to do it was 
you know, was Uncle Bill, was was Billy T. So, um, you know, and he 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 was doing music, he was doing movies, he was doing TV, and no one else, you know, the only guys that come close um, would be Taika and Flight of the Concords on the on the level that I want to be doing it. Um, but for me, I've and I how I've always explained it to people is what Flight of the Concords did with television and touring. And then what Taika did with movies, putting it all together, you know, I want to be what Billy T was doing here in New Zealand, but on the level that those boys were doing across having and, and, you know, touching every point of culture, whether it's fashion, whether it's film, whether it's music, um, you know, like I've, I fully have dreams of writing, directing Hollywood movies, but then also having a skit on like a, you know, a Kendrick Lamar song or some shit like that. Uh, to that level, bro, you know, across a broad range of mediums and across culture and, and so many different ways and just being myself the whole fucking time. Yeah. Um, because that's, I mean, that is that is the gold standard, you know, those three. Yeah, yeah bro. <clears throat> Easily. 100%. 100%. Coming from Wellington, bro, did you ever run into Taika? Nah, bro. To, yeah, nah, I still, I still haven't met Taika, but it's funny. I've got, like, so many of my closest mates and, and people that, you know, I, I sort of work with and deal with. I'm very, very close to, to Taika. So it's always been one thing that I knew was uh, it's going to come one day. Um, and, uh, and you, you know, I know, I know we'll work together eventually. Like, I, I know that'll come. See, I'm um, like, I like that thinking, eh? Like, I'm like that too. I'm like, it yeah. will happen. It's just a, I just have to be patient. I just have to yeah. wait my time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I know it'll come eventually, bro. But, um, but yeah, that, that dude is obviously uh, a, a mess, like, a massive, massive influence on on me as not only just a creative, but as a man. And um, yeah, no, I just look up to that dude big time, man. Bro, I've got a Mount Rushmore of people that I need to talk to on my podcast, bro. He's he's one of them. It's him, <laughs> Uncle Bully. No, no. I'm just going to get him next door, bro. Yeah, bro can you just uh, take your head off for a second, brother? I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> just get changed. <laughs> I'll kill Uncle Bully. Oh, fucking. <laughs> It's him, it's Steve, and yeah. uh, Taika, Steve, Jacinda, and uh, probably Tom Scott are my, are my three, are my four. Oh, that's a good, that's a good, bro. And knowing Tom Scott as well, they're all about just as accessible as each other. <laughs> like, okay, Tom Scott's a hard dude to get to. Fuck, I know, way. Eh? Like... <laughs> I was uh, I was trying to you know like oh the bro's spell was like oh bro fucking I, yeah he was like I don't know if you can get that one but anyway but yeah bro yeah. but um no. yeah that, yeah that's that's my, that's that's my bro is it hard like bro and I have this problem oh, I don't want to say it's a problem but when you got to turn it on and off when you're out in the out you know like yeah. I'm the same dude I am but you know you got to oh absolutely you know what absolutely. I'm saying absolutely bro and um so a, a good mate a mate of mine. Apologies for the name drop. A good mate of mine is William Wairua. So, <clears throat> shit. I found it hard, but I found it. I found it exceptionally hard the more and more I'm around him, bro. Because he's just like he. That dude is just honestly twenty four seven himself. Like people think it's a character, but but that's legit him. And when when with his interactions with you know because that dude gets fucking like mauled. Um. Like he's just always him. It's always so natural. It's always so organic. And I think for me, I I always found it hard, even just before anybody knew me on social media. You know, just doing, just doing stand up. I found it hard after gigs and stuff. Um, you sort of feel the pressure of people wanting to 
you know, you need to keep that thing going. And I mean, I, I, I feel like I do a good enough job handling, handling it. Um, and you know, you wouldn't know that I was finding it hard, but I do find it hard. And, uh, it's just that, yeah, it, it can be exhausting. Eh, bro? Like you just always feel like you've got to sort of be cracking a joke or, you know, you, you know that people are, they have this little silent expectation that they're holding you to. And if you don't meet it, they're going to be disappointed. So, um, I know exactly what you mean, bro. And yeah, and yeah for sure. I, I definitely find it hard. Absolutely. Cause I mean, like sometimes like, I mean, <coughs> I don't know if like going out to the supermarket and shit like that, but like in terms of just, you know, turning it off and it must yeah. be really tough, man. Like, like I get it. And I get it. Some, not all, like when there's meetups and shit like that, sometimes I'm always like, oh, I've got to be on like, yeah, yeah. like that's nothing compared to fucking what you have to fucking deal with at times bro yeah yeah it's been quite i think the the cool thing it's so my, my brother he's 15 he's just on school holidays but for the last few uh days even he's i've just got him sort of working for me over the next two weeks and it's been it's been cool having him there to sort of one experience it and then be able to talk about it because uh like it catches you off guard obviously somebody coming up to you and it, it's the biggest honor bro like i i get God. so blown away every time someone does it like i i can't even I, I, I still can't even really like understand you know why people why someone would even feel so strongly that they want to come up to me and you know take a photo or just say what's up like it means the world but it is it's that exact thing that for me i'm so appreciative of it that i then am constantly thinking to myself like Fuck! I hope they like understand that I that I really really appreciate it, and so I keep going back and forth in my head about that, you know, as I'm just talking to the motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and as my brother's seen it firsthand that, you know, I would have just talked to them and then they'll go away and I'll be like to him, you know, I'll be like really sort of vulnerable, self conscious for a second. I'll be like, did I seem all good? Like, I didn't yeah. seem like a dick or anything, eh? And he'll be like, no, can't like you were sweet, but yeah, it's that uh, it is that little bit of it is that little bit of pressure that I'm still sort of struggling with, especially when it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, bro, I mean, I think that'll be a constant sort of battle and, you know, obviously I'll get better and better with it. It's still all very new to me, but um, it's definitely something I find hard. Like I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, it's fucking easy. It, yeah. Because right, I'm it's saying it. that, bro, because I saw you at St. Luke's one time and I said, what's up, brother? And you poked the fingers, cunt. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Fuck you. I broke the finger up your bum. <laughs> Shit. Nah, fuck. That Three of them. <laughs> no more room left. Oh, <laughs> shit. It was like, it was like, it was like um, volunteering as tribute in a hallway. It was like... Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Bro, like... um. Bro, do you think, why do you think that, um, like, I suppose comedians, but just in general, think that it's important that they cater to, like, an international audience, you know? They do, you don't. Fuck, it's pretty obvious. But, like, yeah, yeah. Do, do you think that's a good thing and a bit, or a bad thing or both? Or what do you reckon? Bro, I, I, I see it. I, I, I've always just looked at, um, you know, people that felt the need to have to, you know, get, they, they call it, like, universalize or whatever the fuck. You know, like global, sorry, globalize um, the material and stuff. And for me, man, I, I was so lucky that I got to saw flights and got to saw what Taiko and stuff were doing. Bro, people overseas love Kiwis more than fucking Kiwis love each other. So, what, what our own and and it's a it's another offset of tall poppy, bro. Like we we have a we have a national lack of self esteem, so that we think that anything we're involved in is is less than anything else in the world. They're less than the equivalent 
yeah. you know, what the equivalent would be overseas. So we see something amazing and we think, uh, unless people overseas are liking it, then we don't, you know, we don't really, we don't really fuck with it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and it's that, it's that attitude that, uh, that, that leads people to thinking that they have to, you know, reach beyond what they know in order to have that, in order to have that appeal overseas. But for me, I, I've just stuck exactly to what I know and who I am because I truly believe that that has global appeal. Yeah, I, and I truly believe that. Sure, they may not get the references I'm talking about. Sure, they may not understand every single intricacy, but I know that with the energy I've got, and you know, with the timing and all that shit, like they'll get it, even if they don't get it. Yeah, yeah and it'll yeah. be funny regardless. And and I've seen it firsthand with Flight of the Concords. Like those cunts were making. Ro- sorry, also someone said the c word counter. I'm very sorry that fuck I keep saying that. it. Hey, I yeah. say cunt all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. Whoever said the c word counter can fuck give fuck. <laughs> okay. Sorry, bro. Continue. Brotherhood, eh, brother? <laughs> but um, bro, like in flights, they were making like Wellington references, and like they're talking about the water, water up and shit. And um, and bro, that's on one of the biggest shows that HBO has ever put out. So, I, I think um, we need to just understand in New Zealand that we have some fucking gold that the rest of the world wants, and we can access it just by being ourselves. We don't need to reach beyond what we know and be something that we're not because. Every single instance that a completely authentic New Zealand voice has gone global, like it blows the fuck up, bro. Mm. And and I mean like completely authentic. Like you ask anybody in New Zealand, uh, you could walk. I reckon, bro, because of Thor Ragnarok, you could walk up to any random person in fucking like LA and be like, "What do you think a Kiwi sounds like?" They're not going to go, "Hey, good day, mate. I'm on my farm." They're going to go, "Hey, bro, what's up? My name's Cool." That's every fucking like. That's every one of my fucking cousins on the Maroi. <laughs> and so. And so that's what I mean, bro. All that authentic, that authentic part of New Zealand, that that other half of New Zealand that I was talking about, that this side doesn't have any fucking clue about. That's the side that the world wants, and so that's the side that I I bring out. That's the side that I know the most about. That's the side that I consider myself a part of, and that's and and that's the side that I'm going to take to all the biggest corners in the world, and um, you know, take to all the biggest, you know, whatever the fuck. Um, because that's that's the true New Zealand and um, and, uh, and and that's the part that the world loves. Yeah.